song. Number 242 in your hymnal. We'll sing the first two verses. We'll do an instrumental on the third verse and then we'll sing the last verse. Thank you. 
in that singing. Good morning, everyone. Welcome here. And welcome to all you who are going to join us on video. Uh, we're glad you can join us, too. Did you welcome someone new today? No? Were you afraid? <laughs> I'm going to keep encouraging you to welcome people when you walk in these doors. We want to be a welcoming church. Lately, uh, I went for a drive with one of our farmers, and we talked about how farming had gone this year with the drought and all, and <clears throat> how the yields were and so on. And it was marvelous to me that even after it was dry so much of the summer, that there was a crop to harvest. We are abundantly blessed because God attends to our needs, and he knows them. And then not only our needs, but the needs of all creation, every animal, every creature. He knows what we need before we ask him. <clears throat> so for an opening, opening scripture this morning, I'd like to read for us from Psalm 104, verses 10 to 24. <clears throat> Psalm 104. You make springs gush forth in the valleys. They flow between the hills. They give drink to every beast of the field. The wild donkeys quench their thirst. Beside them the birds of the heavens dwell. They sing among the branches. From your lofty abode you water the mountains. The earth is satisfied with the fruit of your work. You cause the grass to grow for the livestock and plants for man to cultivate that he may bring forth food from the earth and wine to gladden the heart of man, oil to make his face shine, and bread to strengthen man's heart. The trees of the Lord are watered abundantly, the cedars of Lebanon that he planted. In them the birds build their nests. The stork has her home in the fir trees. The high mountains are for the wild goats, the rocks a refuge for the rock badgers. He made the moon to mark the seasons. The sun knows the time of its setting. You make darkness and it is night when all the beasts of the forest creep about. The young lions roar for their prey, seeking their food from God. When the sun rises, they steal away and lie down in their dens. Man goes out to his work 
and to his labor until the evening. O Lord, how manifold are your works. In wisdom you have made them all. The earth is full of your creatures. Would you pray with me? Our Father in heaven, you alone are God, and there is no other. And we see from your word and from our experience of life that you are the giver of life. From your hand, all our needs are met. And where we feel like our needs are not met, you walk with us through our difficulties, giving encouragement to our souls and strength to persevere, and you anchor our faith. This morning we thank you for the rains that you did send and for the harvest that is being brought in. And we thank you, Father, that you love us and have saved us from our sins and given to us eternal life. Today we praise you as the supreme sovereign of all time, of all places, and over all that you have made. In this hour, Father, we we ask that you inhabit our hearts and our minds as we join them together to worship you. And would you hear us as we pray together the way Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Would you join me as we continue to sing together hymn number 573. 573. Helps if I have one too. Yes. 
then turn to number 558. You probably remember that we sang this a few weeks ago. And so I was reminded this morning when I found that out that it's good to keep records. <laughs> but anyway, let's sing it again. Uh, my hope is built on nothing less. few announcements uh, this morning. Our missionaries of the week are Don and Shar. Let's pray for them as they continue to consider uh, a return to the field and for adjusting to a new life. They're, in a sense, and their daughter won't be with them. Um, there's also an opportunity here if uh, people want uh, rides to church. Uh, we have a, a willing servant, Bill Fair, is willing to give uh, rides or range rides, I should say. Uh, so uh, take advantage of that if, if, if you need to. We're also looking for Sunday school teachers and a uh, Sunday school superintendent. Uh, we, don't, we don't have any. And so we have to, I think, think and pray about this. Do we want to teach the next generation? Do we want to point those arrows in the right direction? Let's uh, 
think about that, and if you're moved, please respond. A few uh, personal needs in our congregation. Betty Reimer is still at BTHC, uh, Boundary Trails, uh, with cancer. There's a note of thanks here from Jane and Bill for your kindness toward them during this time and her struggle with various health concerns. And then also an expression of sympathy. Melvin Hepner passed away Thursday, September 2nd. A private service was held. He's a brother-in-law to Tina Hildebrandt, Harry and Esther Hildebrandt, and Anne and Bill Fair. So let's pray for that family. A few upcoming events. Uh, this week in our church, a finance committee meeting on Monday. Uh, women's prayer group is meet, meets on Tuesday mornings. Next Sunday, we have communion service. So I would encourage you to uh, be in good fellowship with your brothers and sisters in this body, even beyond, so that we can gather for uh, a joyful communion service. And then on the Uh, 27th of this month, we are having a membership meeting. So let's be in prayer about that. And in the community, we have uh, this week the the Salem Foundation Barbecue Fundraiser. And that is an organization that I think we are all thankful for. And certainly as I get older, I become more and more thankful for for that place. Uh, It's their 65th anniversary Uh, of the home and the 20th anniversary of the foundation. And you can read the details there in the bulletin. Uh, Let's support them as they continue to work in our community. I'll ask the ushers uh, to come forward at this time, and uh, I would ask that you uh, stand and join me for prayer. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for this day. We thank you again that you love us. Wow, what a powerful, uh, powerful thought in our lives. Uh, We see so much unloveliness in this world, and yet we turn to you and we find that we are loved. We praise you for that. Father, we also recognize your sovereignty and your authority in the world, in all that you have made. And you have made it with a plan to begin it and to end it, and to gather from it all those who believe. And we thank you, Father, for that, and that you've given us eyes to see. Father, this morning we bend the knee and we ask, as your children, we bring before you some requests. We ask that you watch over Don and Shar. We pray that you would continue to give them encouragement and blessing and motivation for the work to which you have called them. And we pray, Father, as they make plans for the future, that, uh, that you would give them wisdom. And we pray uh, for their family as they will not be together as they once were, that you would uh, be with Thea and uh, as she will be uh, pursuing studies and those kinds of things. So, Father, as this family adjusts to new things, we pray that you would walk with them, comfort them, strengthen them, and give them much joy in serving you. We also bring before you the need for uh, Sunday school teachers. We are... We often feel inadequate for all the things that are, that are before us. But Father, we also know that you equip those that you call and that you give joy to those who willingly do, your, do the work that is there. 
And so, Father, I pray that you would uh, raise up some Sunday school teachers for our children, that we might be faithful to your word and teaching, teaching them your ways. We pray that you would prepare us as a body, Father, for communion service, that we would be clean in our relationships with each other, that there would be no, uh, no bitterness, that there would be no harboring of uh, of unrest and, and discord, but that we would seek with an earnest heart to be in good relationship with each other. Father, so that we can be clean with you and so that we can really rejoice when we come to the communion table. We pray for our membership meeting, that it would, that it would go well and that uh, your purposes would be served. We thank you, Father, for Salem Home and for the, for the many uh, that have benefited f- from, that, from their service and how you have ministered to people through Salem Home. Uh, what a joy it is to see uh, people continue to live um, and, and be cared for and honored as, as, uh, as people made in your image. Thank you for the work of that home and all the people that work there. We, we ask for your blessing on them and that you would bless them with a bountiful fundraiser. We pray for Betty Reimer, that you would uh, comfort her spirit and also give her strength and joy as she cries out to you from her hospital bed. We pray for Jane, Father, uh, Jane Brown. You know the struggles that she has had, and we pray that you would continue to grant peace there and comfort and an encouragement and growth, growth in your word and, and, and in our faith. Then, Father, we bring before you the family of Melvin Hepner. It is a deep thing to face, uh, face death and to come to the grave and recognize that we all come to an end. And so as the, fam- as the family grieves uh, the loss of Melvin, we pray also that faith would be strengthened, that uh, those who mourn would be comforted, and that uh, there could be a, a reaffirmation of, of our faith in you and that the church would be strengthened, uh, even in grief. And then, Father, we also remember that there are those in, in places like Afghanistan where there is much unrest. People fear for their lives. Believers uh, are having a hard time and knowing, knowing that they're targets. We pray, Father, for our brothers and sisters there, that you would grant to them courage to hold on to the faith and let them be fully convinced, Father, of their of the work of Jesus Christ, so that without fear they can cling to you and be a witness until the day that you call them home. And now, Father, we want to give back to you of the abundant plenty that you have given to us, and we pray that you would use it for your purposes. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Thank you. 
Good morning. VBS began with a burden and a desire to offer our church children some Bible teaching and a week of fun. Plans began when COVID restrictions allowed for only 25 people to gather. So we planned for a maximum of 15 children. We would offer the program on Anna Friesen's yard where we'd be able to be outside as much as possible. We were a little discouraged after discovering we might only have six children attend, and we wondered if such a small group would be worth the effort to continue with the plans. However, Luke 16, verse 10, convicted us. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. So we decided to continue to continue and prayed for more. The VBS team quickly grew to include Anna Friesen, Eileen Aimbrecht, Chris Dirksen, Anita Rudy, Val Dick, and Lucas Fraze, a base group that would offer singing and Bible teaching, Bible memory, crafts, games, and snacks. Our curriculum was Babylon, Daniel in captivity, and used the life of Daniel and his friends to show that God is with us when things change. God is with us when we're afraid. God is with us when we need help. God is with us when we're lonely. And lastly, God is with us when we're thankful. We began each morning with singing and then went right into the Bible teaching story. After this came the games and crafts and snack. Lucas led the children in daily games and activities. They were entertaining and fun to play. A favorite game requested by one of the children almost daily was musical chairs, which we ended up playing almost every day using the theme song, Through It All, as our music. Additionally, a special feature of each day involved a guest who shared about a time when God was real and present uh, in time of need. Thank you to Kristen Dick, Jake Hildebrandt, Helen Falk, and Ella Neufeld for sharing their time and life stories with us. It was wonderful to interact with them and hear their testimonies of God's faithfulness in their lives and in some very remarkable circumstances. One of the songs that quickly became a favorite was Through It All which you will hear in the video presentation following this report. The words are, In a world ever-changing, there are times when we feel alone. But in this world, God is with us. He's in our lives wherever we go. And we will not be afraid, for God is with us all the way. We will stand firm and strong, and this will be our song. Through it all, God is faithful through it all, our God is true. He never fails, never changes. When we rise or when we fall, God is with us, with us through it all. We also shared the plan of salvation with the children through various crafts and activities. The first day, they decorated memory verse treasure bags in which they kept the memory verse of the day. These Bible verses were reviewed daily. They made salvation bracelets and keychains 
which also emphasized the plan of salvation. Another activity was making a song booklet based on the plan of salvation. This was called the heart song. The last day, the children painted plant pots and put a plant in the pot, which was to encourage both thankfulness and growth. We thought we'd have only six children, and we prayed for more. We had nine. Was it worth doing all that work for the little? Absolutely. We had a great week together and trust that God used that week to speak his love and truth into those children's lives. We pray that the songs, the stories, and the Bible verses will continue to impact each one of them and bring them deeper into their relationship with the Lord. Thank you to those who brought cookies, Doreen Hildebrand, Verna Funk, Maria Taves, Judy Unrah, and Nadia Ludemar. We all enjoyed those cookies. Thank you also to Anita Rudy for putting t- together the slideshow you will see. Once again, on behalf of all involved in the VBS program, thank you so very much for your support and prayers. So we'll watch the slide presentation now. We don't have a computer operator. Is the, is the stick back there? It would probably. You know what? We'll show it another day. So don't forget about it. We'll show it another day. This morning's scripture reading is John chapter 5, verses 1 to 18. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem, by the sheep gate, a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. Then whoever stepped in first, after the stirring of the water, was made well of whatever disease he had. Now a certain man was there who had an infirmity thirty-eight years. When Jesus saw him lying there, and knew that he already had been in that condition a long time, he said to him, Do you want to be made well? The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I am coming, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, Rise, take your bed and walk. And immediately the man was made well, took up his bed and walked. And that day was the Sabbath. The Jews therefore said to him who was cured, It is the Sabbath. It is not lawful for you to carry your bed. He answered them, He who made me well said to me, Take up your bed and walk. Then they asked him, Who was this man who said to you, Take up your bed and walk? But the one who was healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn a multitude being in that place. Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you have been made well. Sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon you. The man departed and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him well. Good morning. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. You will notice that I've changed my message um, today. Yesterday, um, as I was working on my uh, message, 
uh, I was in um, mid-afternoon and um, all of a sudden my program froze on me. Uh, no worries at that time because I have often had a freeze and turn off my computer and I'm able to recall it. But yesterday was a little bit of a different story. All my research, my sermon, I could not retrieve it after spending over three hours on the internet and talking with other people who know about lost files. I was unable to retrieve it. So I have to go to a message I've written previously. And so I want to share, of course, some Jay has read from that portion of scripture found in John chapter 5, verses 1 through 18. As Jesus continues to minister, he comes in contact with various people, people who have problems and people who have infirmities. John clearly states the reason for these events that were recorded about Jesus in John chapter 20, verse 31. He says this, but these things are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. However, not all Not only do the works and the miracles of Christ cause people to believe in him, but they also have another effect, and that is this. There's rejection and also persecution that this brings on. As we see from this morning's message, or from this morning's um, passage that was read to us, John was right when he said in John chapter 12, uh, John or John chapter 1 verse 11 he came that he that which or pardon me he came to that which was his own but his own did not receive him just think for a moment if there had been one disappointment one discouragement one hurt one pain in Christ's life it would 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 it would have been the outright rejection of his people the very ones that he came to save. Some time ago, I, um, some time ago in Calgary, a man had gone to drop off his three-year-old daughter at a daycare center. Apparently, the child got out of the door and ran in front of the truck. For some reason, the truck rolled forward, pinning this three-year-old daughter between the truck and the wall, and yes, life was taken that day. When I heard this, it bothered me immensely. Didn't know the person, but I could just imagine because I've also had a three-year-old child. I also later on lost a child myself. And so when you hear things like this, your heart drops. And inside, you know the pain that this father is going through. This was devastating for the father because everything that this father did, he did for his child. The same way that you and I, when we have children, we do things for our children because um, they are our children. In the same way, everything that Christ did, he did for his people, yet they rejected his salvation. And that is the reason why it would be so hard and difficult for Christ when he walked across the face of this world. This morning, we see Christ at work ministering and touching people as he walks along life's highway. 
I've entitled this message, The Healing of the Lame Man. The Healing of the Lame Man. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we come before you, you walked across a page of history, and there you performed miracles, you touched people, and you brought new life to people. People who were blind were healed of their eyesight. Lord, the lame were able to get up and walk again. You touched so many who had problems and difficulties and infirmities. And Lord, these were done for your glory. And these were done also to show people who you really are, that you are God in the flesh. I pray now, Lord, that as we look into the scriptures today, that you would speak to our hearts once more so that we could glean the promises and apply them to our lives. For this we pray in Christ's name. Amen. The healing of the lame man. Number one, the grievous circumstance. The grievous circumstance. It was just an ordinary day. And since Jesus was Jewish, he went up to Jerusalem to the Jewish feasts. Now, there were two types of Jewish feasts. One was the Passover feast, and the other one was the Pentecostal uh, tabernacle feast. And while he was in Jerusalem, he went to visit a beautiful pool. And that was known, that was called the Pool of Bethsaida. The sick and the incurable people would come to the pool because they thought an angel would come out, come down from heaven, and stir the water. The people assumed that when this happened, that the first person who got into the water and who was supposedly there the first time would be healed. Of course, there was a mad rush and nobody could ever see who really reached the pool first. Thus, nobody was really healed. So, as we look at this, we can see that these people were looking for help. The people would come day after day, week after week, and month after month. They found no cure. Today, although we live in the most modern, affluent, and technologically advanced nation and society globally, almost all of us suffer from some physical ailment or disorder. Just talk about people or talk to people and ask them if they want prayer. And usually one of the first things, yes, I need prayer for my health. And we live in a world such as that. We live in a world that has fallen. We live in a world where we have imperfect bodies. We live in a world that is continually going from good to worse. So we try everything possible within our means to find relief, a cure, and an answer. This was the same for the people who were suffering who came to the pool that day, and of course, not only that day, through the years. So verse 3 tells us this, Here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. And I would think that they didn't even come daily. Some just stayed there hoping it would be their day that healing would take place. However, Jesus found one man who had been an invalid for 38 years. Think about that. 38 years and had incapacitated and was incapacitated to have really any quality of life. The man probably had to beg for a living and was at the mercy of everyone else. There was no hope 
for everyday life of doing things ordinary people do, like walking, running, working, and playing, and caring for others. But now the master, the son of God, the king of kings, the Lord of Lord, is passing his way. Notice this man did not initiate contact. This man did not initiate contact. Amid this unfortunate, unalterable circumstance, Christ moves in to perform a life-changing miracle which we discover in the second portrait of the healing of the lame man, which is the healing of the lame man leads to the goodness and the compassion of the Lord found in verses 7 through 9. The goodness and the compassion of the Lord. It is a portrait. It is a picture of Christ. It's who he is. He is a person of goodness and compassion. Here we find one of the most amazing things contrasted to almost all the other miracles that Jesus performed for the people. This man had no faith in Jesus. And Christ asks for no faith in the, on part of this man. Christ doesn't ask him to have faith. Nothing of this. Isn't it exciting? This shows us even that as we spoke about previous in my previous message, when we are faithless, Christ remains faithful. When we are faithless, when we can't come up with the faith, Christ still remains faithful. This man had no faith. This is exciting. Although much of the scripture points to faith being the prerequisite to healing, it is not always the absolute. I believe miracles of healing and provisions come because Jesus, because of Jesus' goodness and compassion towards others. Notice this remands Christ to uh, response to Christ's question. He thought entire his thoughts were entirely wrapped up in the element of the healing water. If only someone could help him down to the water, maybe there would be hope. If only someone could help him. Jesus' response to the invalid is, get up, pick up your mat, and walk. So in verse 9, it reads, at once the man was cured, he picked up his mat, and walked. And if you would notice the way that Jesus heals people, every time he does it in a different manner. There's just something unique and special about Christ. No faith is needed. And we learn something else from verse 12 and 13. Listen what we learn in these verses. So they asked him, who is this fellow who told you to pick up, pick it up and walk? The man who was healed had no idea who it was, for Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. He didn't even know it was Jesus. So we can see that the man had no faith and he had no idea who Jesus was. This tells us one thing, that Jesus works of goodness and compassionate healing are not limited by man. They aren't. They're not limited by our faith. 
In the same way, our lives should reflect Christ to demonstrate the goodness and compassion we show to others when they are in need. We don't have to ask if they can give. We don't have to ask if they believe. We just give because it is the compassion of Jesus Christ. And he has given that to us. And that's how we are to treat others. Of course, this miracle does not go unnoticed by the Pharisees. When they see, they have a different perspective on what Jesus is doing. They certainly do. This is revealed to us in the third portrait of the healing of the lame man, which is this, the grossly legalistic, I'm sorry, not the third, but the second, the grossly legalistic Pharisees. The grossly legalistic Pharisees found in 9b through 15. Verse 9b now sets the stage for the open hostility towards Christ. The day on which this took place was the Sabbath. Here is a clear picture of how the Pharisees misconstrued and misinterpreted the commandments of God to fit their agendas. Verse 10 says this, So the Jews said to the man who had been healed, It is the Sabbath. The laws forbid you to carry your mat. Can you imagine that? These Pharisees were so wrapped up and blinded by their legalism that they were unable to see the power of God. They were also unable to see that this man needed help and he need, needed to be made whole. They should be saying instead, praise God for the miracle and praise the Lord for the healing of this man because this invalid had been an invalid for 38 years and now he was made whole. But instead they were more concerned about their extra extra traditions of man, which they added to the law themselves. An example of this is the fourth commandment. Everyone knew that they were not to work on the Sabbath. But the religious leaders defined and interpreted this command by stating how many steps a person could walk and how much a person could actually carry on the Sabbath. So it wasn't God's law that was being broken here, but it was the traditions of man. It was the traditions of these religious leaders that they had added the extra things of what they thought the law should contain. There are other examples in scripture where Jesus refers to the traditions of man. Mark chapter 7 verses 1 through 13, Luke chapter 14 verses 1 through 5, and Luke chapter 13 verses 10 through 17. Listen as I read Luke chapter 13 verses 10 through 17. It's a parallel passage. On the Sabbath, Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues, and a woman who was who was there had been crippled by the spirit, by a spirit, for eighteen years. She was bent over and could not straighten up at all. And when Jesus saw her, he called her forward and said to her, Woman, you are set free from your infirmity. Then he put his hand on her, and immediately she straightened up and praised God. Indignantly, because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, the synagogue ruler said to the people, There are six days for work, so come and be healed on those days, not on the Sabbath. 
The Lord answered, you hypocrites, doesn't each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or donkey from the stall and lead it to give it water? Then should not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, who Satan has kept bound for 18 years long, be set free on the Sabbath day from what, from what bound her? When he said this, his opponents were humiliated but the people were delighted with all the wonderful things that he was doing. God's law of keeping the Sabbath holy is meant not from turning the rest day into a regular day, work day. That's what the Sabbath is. But the Sabbath was never meant to override the needs of others. When there's a need, then it takes precedence. The Sabbath was made for man, and man not for the Sabbath. Now we come to the final portrait of the message entitled, The Healing of the Man Leads to the Genuine Claims to Deity by Christ. When we talk about deity, we talk about God. We talk about Jesus claiming to be God in the flesh. Verses 16 through 18, notice what the Jews began to do to Jesus in verse 16. They persecuted him. It doesn't say what they were doing in their persecution, but you can be sure that they did their best to stop Christ from doing what he was called to do. Listen to verse 17 and 18 again as I read this. Jesus said to them, my father is always at work to this very day, and I too am working. For this reason, the Jews tried all the harder to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. The Jews would have no problems if Christ called God our Father. Because the Jews believed that God was their Father of the entire Israelite race. The problem was that Jesus called God my Father. Therefore, they thoroughly understood that Jesus was making himself equal to God. However, the religious leaders were incapable of objecting to Christ's claim. For Jesus could perform miracle miracle healings at will, at his decision. So what can we apply to our lives from what we have learned from the scriptures this morning? First, all of us in a similar way to this lame man are the most miserable and destitute creatures without Christ's intervention in our lives. God still heals today, and we're called to pray for one another. We're called, if you're sick, come and have the elders pray for you. Does God heal everyone the way that we think? No, there's people that God allows to remain sick, And yet, God's grace is always sufficient. Remember the Apostle Paul with his problem? He prayed three times that God would remove it. We don't know what that hardship was in his life. But Jesus said to him, My grace is sufficient for 
you. In the midst of our hardship, God's grace is submission. In the midst of our hardship, God's grace is sufficient for us. However, greater than physical healing is spiritual healing when a person comes to faith in Christ. Only he can transform us, and he is the answer for the world. Second, when God moves in our midst, we should make sure our hearts are receptive. Sometimes God can do wonderful miracles. Others will come to know Christ. God will answer problems that people are having, whatever it may be. It is possible not to see God moving. Let's not be like the religious leaders of Christ's day who were spiritually blind. If we rely on our preconceived ideas instead of God's word, we may end up not seeing the miracles of God when he moves within our church. God wants to move. He wants to change our hearts first. He wants to change others. And he will do that as we trust in him. May you find comfort in this, that God still works within our lives to draw us to himself. Would you take your hymn books and turn with me to number 570. It may be at morn. Do we know this song? Does anyone know it? Okay, good. (laughs) It may be at morn when the day is awaking, when sunlight through darkness and shadow is breaking, that Jesus will come. Oh, 
Stand with me for the closing benediction. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Heavenly Father, thank you for a day of worship, a day when we can come and set aside this day to focus upon you and your word. We pray, Father, that you'd continue to work within our lives, in our church, that you would draw many to yourself. I pray, Father, that we would reflect you in the way that we treat others. And yes, Lord, you've called us to have compassion like you had compassion for those who are lost and those who suffered. You reached out to them and you ministered. We pray now, Lord, that you would make us like yourself and you'd grant us the strength to live according to what you've called us to do. Now, as we go our separate ways, we pray, Lord, that you would be honored throughout the week in our lives and in everything we do. For this we pray in Christ's name. Amen. And may you go in his peace.